This is the Janet Killeen Books Podcast. I am reading from my collection of short stories, There is a Season. This story is called Spoiled by Seawater. After many days, a slow train brought him north to her on leave. Summer days, light-filled, with an intense clarity, so that every shape and angle sharpened and every sense stretched in the awareness of survival. But the nights were like doors closed and bolted against the light, and long after she fell asleep, reassured and comforted, He lay awake with eyes that scraped against the darkness. His head filled again with sand and water, and sound awoke within the cavities of his ears. The days of retreat were like a photograph album to him. Small, disjointed, black-framed images of his men staggering with exhaustion. The swift demolition of vehicles and fuel dumps rupturing the eye and ear with explosion. Weary, pitiful herds of civilians and the personal, violated wreckage they discarded. A strange, elegant, costumed and gloved woman escorting a crocodile of children towards the reeking horizon. The pages flickered within his eyes. The men clustered thickly on the shoreline and among the dunes, and the town and harbour behind them stank and smouldered. They looked helpless, stunned by their bodies' weight, and their thirst and hunger after long marching, and shamed by retreat. They huddled and half-slept, naked to aerial attack. The strange microscopic defences of the sand shielded them, absorbing and dispelling the spitting bullets and protecting many from everything but the direct hit. But all around were the dreadful lumps and carcasses of the dead, the sodden, dumped equipment, the buzz and crawl of flies. Out to sea, rafts of floating waterlogged bodies from which blood spiralled and wafted in the waltzing tide. Runnels of blood clumped in the sand, and he remembered red ore running from the furnace, the same ferrous smell twisted in the nose. Slowly, some kind of order grew as men grouped under new leaders, clung to each other, saw that there was a strange process of rescue in the little boats that came in and took them away to the waiting ships. Lines began to form and he found himself seeing off his senior officer, that's all right, sir, and taking his place day and night to shepherd weary, frightened men towards the hope of embarkation. He sent his driver on ahead, giving him a package of silk scarves bought long ago in the early days of October, and carried as a present for the wife not seen since their honeymoon in August. If you can, he'd said, Get these to my wife and her mother. You may get back before me. Then he turned to his task, speaking to his four dispatch riders and urging them to join the line. Not yet, sir, said two of them, cheerful, young, but tired beyond their endurance, 
We'll be all right, sir. We'll just rest a bit and join the line later. But they did not. A direct hit took them. I did not get them all back safely, he raged silently, tight in his throat with the memory of their young faces and their love of the throttle and speed of their bikes. Day and night the line shuffled slowly to the waiting boats, and he urged and shouted at men from unknown regiments and companies who gave themselves gladly to his orders and the deep security of dependence in their helplessness. Once a sergeant tried to rush a boat already top-heavy with men, and he swore at him and drew his revolver. Rage at the older man's selfish stupidity roared through him. But others, gasping and drowning under the weight of their equipment, he grabbed and thrust into the boats, and he went up and down the line, telling them to throw away the heavy packs and rifles that weighed them down. The taste of seawater gulped and spat out, the stench of wet khaki, the ceaseless chafing at neck and groin, the huge hours of embarkation reduced itself to each moment's intensity of impressions imprinted on every sense, the trivial as crucial as the most terrible. Late in the afternoon of the second day in the water, the small boat waited. Room for one more, he turned back to the line. Is there anyone here with wife and children waiting at home? Exhausted men looked back at him. Nay, lad, said a strong northern voice. You've done enough. It's your turn now. Get in. Their ascent lifted him as he fumbled over the side of the boat and fell across the soaked knees and chests of the men. Much, much later, he began to realise what had been happening around him. He found strange the words like miracle and deliverance, thinking of the soldiers left to guard the escape to the last man. Shame and relief gripped him, and grief for the men who would not return. Memories of their names and memories of the lumbering movements of unknown lads who could not climb into the boats because of the dreadful gravity of their weariness. For many days, even after returning to his hometown and his glad wife's welcome, he could barely speak. Did you get the package I, I sent to you and your mother? he'd asked. I sent it with my driver. I was able to send him ahead of me. I hope you liked them. Yes, yes, she had replied. He brought them. When we opened them, they were no use, you know. They were all spoiled by seawater. All the colours had run. They were no use. All spoiled by seawater, he said into the darkness. All spoiled by blood, by sand, by seawater. You have been listening to Spoiled by Seawater from the book There is a Season read by the author Janet Killeen and produced by Duncan P.B. For more stories, please subscribe on iTunes 
or from wherever you get your podcasts.